What's up, party people? It's your girl Liz Haftel here with a special Thursday episode of Clumsy and Confused. A very special episode, in fact. As everyone knows, our beloved Supreme Court queen, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, passed away last Friday, September 18th, at the age of 87. RBG is an icon in so many different ways, mostly for being a trailblazer in gender rights in America, but I found myself looking more and more into her life on Friday night, and I didn't realize the true impact that this amazing human being had on those around her and on our country. So I thought we all needed to know all of this about her. We all need to know how this woman became such a badass from the beginning of her life. So now I'm going to do my best to give you a decent picture of why RBG is such an icon and a major part of our country's history. This is my abridged version of the amazing life and accomplishments of the wonderful Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Joan Ruth Bader was born in March of 1933 in Brooklyn, New York. She started to go by Ruth in her early school years to distinguish herself from another girl in her class named Joan. Her mother, Celia, always pushed for Ruth to be extremely successful in school, often helping her study and challenging her to take different classes. Different classes, difficult classes. Sorry, can't read. Um, unfortunately, Celia passed away the day before Ruth's graduation, and Celia passed away from cancer. She did not get to see the staggering success of her daughter, which was very hard on Ruth for sure. After high school, Ruth went off to Cornell on a full scholarship to study government. She met her future husband, Martin Ginsburg, at Cornell during their freshman year. Ruth and Martin married one month after their college graduation in 1954. After their graduation and their marriage, Ruth followed Martin to the Midwest after he was drafted into the Army, and their first daughter, Jane, was born in 1955 while they were living in Oklahoma. The Ginsburgs moved back to Massachusetts, and Ruth began law school at Harvard. This was the first of her badass moves, as she was one of only nine women in a college class of 500 men. Not one of nine women. Out of 500 men at Harvard Law. Come on. How awesome is she? Her husband was ahead of her at Harvard Law, but he was diagnosed with testicular cancer in 1956. RBG, being the badass that she is, how many times am I going to say that? I'm making this an explicit episode because I can't stop saying badass. But RBG, the badass that she is, would take care of their daughter, go to her law school classes, then... She would go to her husband's law school classes to take notes for him when he wasn't feeling well during his cancer recovery. Come on. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? How awesome is she? So her husband ends up graduating from Harvard Law um, a year or two before her, and Ruth actually ends up transferring from Harvard to Columbia to follow her husband, to follow Martin, because he got a new job in New York City Um at this point, he's recovered from his cancer. He's graduated from law school. So now Ruth is at Columbia to finish up her law degree. And of course, Ruth graduated in 1959. And that woman, even after transferring colleges, tied for first in her class. Are we surprised? No, we are not. Are we impressed? Heck yes, we are. So Ruth graduates from Columbia in 1959, and now she's trying to find a job as a lawyer. 
but she's having a very, very difficult time finding finding a job because she is not only a woman, but she also has a young child. All of her male professors highly endorsed Ruth. They wrote her letters of recommendation. They tried to, you know, get her jobs with friends. Um, and these are her professors from both Harvard and Columbia. Everyone, everyone loves Ruth and knows that she is going to be an absolutely amazing lawyer. But, you know, no one really wanted to give her a chance until she was finally given a chance to work a clerkship in one of the courts in New York City. Following her clerkship, she did her clerkship for two years. Ruth turned to academia and research, and she also managed, listen to this, so she's like, okay, I'm not going to work this clerkship anymore, I'm going to like get into like research stuff, and by doing this, she decided to write a book, right? But like, not a not a normal book. A normal a normal person would, you know, write a book in English about something they know about. No, Ruth decided to learn about civil procedures in Sweden. Cool, civil procedures in Sweden. That sounds great. Write your book, Ruth. No, she took it a step further. She learned Swedish so she could write a book in Swedish on the civil procedures in Sweden. What? Ruth? You are amazing. You are amazing. So everyone is like, who is this amazing woman who is learning a whole new language to write a book about civil procedure in a foreign country from a foreign country? And all of a sudden, you know, eyes are turning and people are like, this is our girl. We don't care that she's a woman. That's this is the early 60s, people. We don't care that she's a woman. She deserves a chance. So Ruth, after, you know, that book is published and it's very successful, she was offered a position as a professor at Rutgers Law School. And this is, by the time she's offered um, this position, it is 1963. And, you know, 1963, a female professor at a prestigious law school, she is one of 20 female law professors in the country. And, you know, she's only, she's so young. Ruth is already so amazing by the age of 30. But still, she had to deal with a ton. Ruth decided to hide her entire second pregnancy while at work because she was scared she would be fired for getting pregnant again. Luckily, she was not. And she actually received tenure at Rutgers in 1969. All right. More reasons that RBG is amazing. RBG co-founded the women's right the women's rights law reporter, the first law journal to focus on women's rights in 1970. Like come on, like can we just like I should have made this just a list of bullet points of like why this woman is so amazing, but you know, it would just go on and on. So anyway, so she finds that finds this uh law journal that focused on women's rights. And this, you know, provoked her interest in sex discrimination more and more. And so from this, Ruth decides we need to take this a step further. And she helps establish the Women's Right Project through the ACLU, the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union. Ruth starts the Women's Rights Project. Come on! Come on. And we all know the ACLU. We all support the ACLU for their work in recent days. But, you know, again, in the 1970s, they're doing really great things. And Ruth is helping them do great things. And so um, Ruth not only 
co-found this, but she worked on many other gender discrimination causes um, through the ACLU with a very high winning percentage. So she is volunteering her time as a lawyer to all of these gender discrimination causes. And she is winning time and time and time again because she is RBG. She is freaking RBG. All right. And so then, after you know, while she's doing all this, she continues to do all this. She writes a textbook on gender issues. Of course she does. You know, this one's not in Swedish. This one's in English. But this, um, this textbook is called Text, Cases, and Materials on Sex-Based Discrimination. So it's basically giving other lawyers um, information on how they can help their clients who have experienced sex-based discrimination. Come on. Come on. So... ACLU, helping um, pro bono, helping with gender discrimination causes, writing a textbook. All of this is happening while Ruth is still working at a professor, as a professor. So she's doing all that and working as a professor. So she ends up transferring and starting to work at Columbia in, as of 1972. So she's working at Columbia. She becomes the first female professor. Professor, why can't I say that word? She becomes the first female professor to ever receive tenure at Columbia. Ever in the history of the university. RBG, first female professor to receive tenure. Ugh, I just love this woman. And, you know, while she's professoring, teaching all of these other people to be amazing lawyers, she's also doing so much other work, you know? writing briefs on multiple cases that are actually essential to gender rights and gender equality. And RBG frequently argued in front of the Supreme Court before becoming part of it. She actually had six appearances in front of the Supreme Court um, during the 1970s, and she won five of those cases. Ugh. Ugh. All right, so let's just talk about a few of them so that you can, you know, further understand why RBG is so amazing and, you know, she won all of these, she fought for all of these causes and just extra reasons to love her. So first case was Reed versus Reed, ruling that the administrators of estates cannot be named in a way that discriminates between sexes, aka before this, um, before this court case, if somebody died without a will, um, more of an estate was automatically given to the male next of kin. Doesn't matter, like, if a mother passed away and she had, you know, two children, a male and a female, and she didn't leave a will, the male would get more money than the female from that woman, from that uh, the person who passed away's estate. What? That was a law in the 1970s? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? So RBG was like, nah, 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 nah. This is not cool. This is not cool. She wins. And so now this ruling made it so that all next of kin received an equal cut of the estate, no matter their gender. So now that same woman dies. She doesn't leave a will. She has a son and a daughter. Both of them split the will evenly because of RBG. All right. Another another case, another interesting case, Craig versus Burren, I guess. I, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but... Um, RBG fought that so drinking drinking ages would be equal for men and women in Oklahoma. What? Drinking ages weren't the same for men and women in Oklahoma? What? Well, thanks to RBG, 
Those drinking ages are equal now. Holy mo- Like, some of these just, it just blows my mind. Like, this is the 1970s. Like, this is when my parents grew up and these things were going on. Unbelievable. All right. RBG, doing big things. The next case is Dern versus Missouri. So Durham versus Missouri is actually the last case RBG ever tried, by the way, before she was, you know, um, put in higher courts as, as a justice. But anyways, this one is important because there used to be a law in the state of Missouri that women were exempt for jury duty because they are women. So, yeah, I mean, that sounds great that you don't have to do jury duty, but it's like your right as an American citizen and it's your duty as an American citizen to serve on a jury and Missouri was like no if a woman just doesn't want to do it it's fine but we're going to force all of the men to do it why because they think that men the opinions and of men are more important than women essentially they think that men can maintain order in their state better than women can of course they think that of course but RBG actually fought so that women are also required to serve jury duty because, duh, of course, every if men have to serve jury duty, why don't women have to serve jury duty? If men get the right, I mean, it's a right, honestly, to serve on a jury, women should be able to have that same right. So that's how um, RBG um, wrapped up her her career as a trial lawyer. So what a way to end. What a way to end. So by the end of the 1970s, RBG is seen as an icon of gender equality nationally. She's recognized nationally as this badass lawyer. Um, and everyone knows that she is she wants gender equality across the nation. So now it's 1980, and RBG is appointed to the U.S. Court of Appeals by Jimmy Carter. This is a big deal. Being appointed to the Court of Appeals is a huge step in any lawyer's career. And so, you know, that's 1980. She serves on the Court of Appeals for 13 years until June 14, 1993, when RBG is appointed to the Supreme Court by President Bill Clinton. She's appointed as a moderate liberal. RBG is the second woman to be appointed to the Supreme Court. Sandra Day O'Connor was the first woman who was appointed, and she served from 1981 until her retirement in 2006. RBG pledged to remain open-minded throughout her appointment and to uphold her integrity, which, of course, we know that she did. So now RBG is on the Supreme Court, and she continues to fight for gender equality every single day. And often they select RBG as the justice to serve on cases involving gender equality and women's rights. Um, So just a couple of badass things that RBG did um, while she was on the Supreme Court and um, cases that she she looked over. So in 1996, uh, Ruth wrote the Supreme Court's land. Wow, I can't speak. I'm going to start the sentence again. In 1996, RBG wrote the Supreme Court's landmark decision in the United States versus Virginia case. And so there was a there is a school called the Virginia Military Institute in the state of Virginia, and it's a state supported school and it refused to admit women. What? Like still in 1996, 
women wanted to go to this this state supported school. So the difference is, is like, I know that there are all girls schools and all male schools, but those are all private schools. This is a state funded school. And they were just like, no, we're a military institute. We're not, we're not um, admitting women. And RBG helped to overturn that. That's a big deal. That's a, that's a huge deal. And also this is in 1996. I'm still mind blown by this, by the fact that these things are happening, like when I was alive, but Anyways, um, so, you know, that was a big, again, big deal, big deal. Now the Virginia Military Institute does admit women, um, as they should, and especially as they should as a state-supported school. Another major ruling by RBG in the Supreme Court was the Ledbetter versus Goodyear trial in 2006. And this court case revolved around a violation of Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, which prohibits employers from paying a person less based on gender and race. So this is a, this is a part of the Civil Rights Act. You have to pay everybody who is doing the same job the same amount, right? Makes sense. But a lot of employers, including Goodyear, this is Goodyear Tires, um, a lot of employers found a loophole in which they could get away with paying women less during a certain period of time, like certain period of time during their employment. And as long as they didn't find out, um, then it wasn't a big deal. But like, really, you're not going to pay women as much for doing the same exact job as a man who has been there for the same amount of time. Obviously, that is unacceptable. Um, and so RBG was able to rule in favor of the plaintiff, Lily Ledbetter, which led to amendment of this act. So this further prevented companies from being able to create a gender pay gap under that loophole. It ended that loophole. So now all people of all genders and all races um, should be paid equally, Right. I mean, that just makes sense. That just makes sense. But, you know, this is 2006 and employers are still finding loopholes and ways to pay women less. Although, you know, I'm not going to get into it. Never mind. I'm, I'm just going to end it there. But RBG, again, badass, 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 equal pay for everyone. RBG was always strongly pro-choice and fought many cases in court to maintain abortion rights for women across the country. Um, and so, you know, there are a bunch of cases that she ruled on. I'm not going to go over all of them, but I just think that this is amazing statement that RBG um, always made. Um, whenever she was asked her opinions about abortion policies in the U.S., she always argued that the government should have no such control over a sacred choice made by a woman. A wo this woman was so ahead of her time. Like, oh, I just love her. I just love her so much. I, I can't say that enough. But, like, oh, okay, sorry. Moving on, moving on. I said this was going to be a brief summary of the life and accomplishments, and I just am so starstruck reading through this that, you know, I'm, I'm struggling to read through it. Um, but, all right, we're almost there. We're almost there. So, we know that RBG has always been a warrior in the courtroom, but she's also been a warrior when it comes to her health. Ruth has been diagnosed with cancer five times in her life. In 1999, she was found to have colon cancer, but because she is badass, notorious RBG, she did not miss one single day of work while going through chemo and radiation. Not a single day. 
So um, Ruth didn't like how weak the recovery process made her. So this is when she started working out with a personal trainer a couple times a week. I mean, I think we've all seen the photos of RBG working out. And honestly, like, don't they just make your heart so happy? She's so cute. um, RBG was only like five feet tall. This little petite woman working out with these big burly men. Ugh. Ugh, what a champion. So um, Ruth was diagnosed... You know, she was she did really well after her um, colon cancer diagnosis and fought and won. Um, Ruth was diagnosed with lung cancer in November of 2018. And then um, she was also found to have cancerous tumors on her pancreas three times. Once in 2009, again in August 2019, and for the last time um, in May of 2020. And ultimately, this last bout of pancreatic cancer is what took her life. And we lost Ruth Bader Ginsburg on September 18th, 2020. So in summary, why is RBG such an icon? Why don't any of us really know the names of the other justices on the Supreme Court? Well, RBG fought until her dying day for what she believed in. She was a feminist in the best sense of the world, trailblazing a path that allowed many other women achieve success across our nation. The notorious RBG wanted to change our country for the better, and she knew exactly how she wanted to change it, and she fought every day to make those changes. An icon. If that's not an icon, I don't know what is. So, let's face it. 2020 is one hell of a year for all of us. Just when we don't think it can get any worse, something like this happens. An icon passes away. Someone we all rely on, someone we need, someone we look up to. We should all be inspired by the way RBG lived her life, not only by her ability to flawlessly accessorize, but by constantly fighting for what she believed in. We must focus on the legacy that RBG has left and carry on her message. Equal rights for all. Gender, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, socioeconomic class, we are all equal. We need to be nicer to one another and appreciate those who may be a little different than us. As my wise mother always tells me, it's way easier to be nice than to be mean. So friends, did you learn something new today? I sure hope so. Join us next time for another episode of Clumsy and Confused.